Before we start, I'd like to shift your attention over to the twins of the SF Food Dude and Carly Amagon out there in Pleasanton, California. This is Poppy and Felix Nazaretta, and they have two words for everybody. Welcome back to SOB Skaters on Baseball. Just a hop, skip, and a jump from Oracle Park. I'm Schmitty with the baseball is back excitement in my voice. And joining me on the other line, just outside of Badlands, five millimeter snowstorm is my homie, Christian Cooper. What's yeah. up, Chris? Hey, Schmitty. How you doing, man? Baseball's in the air, dude. I'm fucking hyped. Fucking game one yesterday, game two, uh, right after we record this. We're recording this right before Giants home opener and Scottsdale versus the Reds. And Sean Manaya's getting his first day on the bump with the Giants. So I'm looking forward Ooh. to that. See what he's got. Ex Padre, X A. I like to I like to uh, pretend that he didn't play for the Padres. It just he came straight from the A's. Keep it in the bay, Manaya. He's a um Andy Kuno told me he's a big photographer uh, guy. So they've been bonding early, just shooting photos and stuff. He's like, right. Manaya's real cool. Uh, Andy was down in Scottsdale for like a week, and uh, he was sending me a little text. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It, it from the interviews I've seen and everything, it seems like there's a real positive outlook in camp. So hopefully that carries over into the season. Um, it's uh, spring training is always kind of weird when it first starts off. You watch the exhibition games and they're not all that exciting. And it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. A lot of it, a lot of it's kind of focusing on individuals and how, how people look, they're healthy, they're performing, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of outlook they have. Is this guy going to make the roster? Is that guy going to make the roster? Um, it's not so much about the wins and losses until you get into the last couple of games before spring is over. And then you really start to see them ramp up and, uh, get ready for the real season which is i can't wait it's kind of all about the first three innings and then the second like the last six innings are just dudes with numbers on their back with no name that you're never probably going to see again i was watching the um cubs game versus the giants yesterday and i swear to god the announcers did not name one guy on the giants they would just be like and that's a triple. They wouldn't even be like, that's Lewis Matos going to third. Like they never mentioned the guy, nothing. It was insane. I was like, yeah. dude, you got the box score in front of you. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, I, I caught the game on KMBR yesterday. And so it was John Miller John and Miller? Uh, Dwayne, nice. Dwayne Kuyper doing the game together, which was great to hear those guys together. And uh, they must Best have had a cheat sheet because they were able to mostly keep track of all the, uh, the, he who shall not be named players that came into the game, those guys that are getting like their, their one shot deal. Wasn't stoked that they left that guy out there to get torched for six hitters, but you know, first game of the year, what, what they're trying to give them a longer look, I guess. And there's nothing we can really uh, whine or complain about. <laughs> it's not really a cheat sheet though. It's your fucking job, man. Like you got, uh, exactly. this, you got the box score in front of you. Cause you're the announcer. Like up first is, yeah, Montway Jr. Before we get into it, we didn't get a ton of comments, but one thing we did hear was from your pops. He wanted us to get nastier. So right. what's that mean? You're you're the son. You tell me. Like, do we need to swear more? More shit talking? What's he hoping we'll bring to his table? 
I don't think profanity is necessarily what he's referring to. Uh, it has to do with he and I both being sort of the eternal pessimists about the Giants and having been suffered through the late 60s and all through the 70s and into the 80s with the Giants being the cellar dwellers and us having um, just this sort of outlook on the Giants like if they do well, it's a it's a wonderful surprise. If they do shitty, we expect it. Um, we 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 text each other during every game, and we're always constantly throwing these sort of negative things back and forth about the decisions that that Kapler is making, or the or the bad choices that the bad pitches are being thrown. Every every aspect of the game that's like putting the Giants behind the eight ball, uh, and we laugh about it. It's it's kind of our way of of deflecting when they're when they're not going good. We can we can still have a, a laugh together about it. Um, he and I have a have a a catchphrase that we've always used with each other. The Giants will get up six, seven runs and he'll just text me and say, no lead is safe in all caps. He's a student <laughs> of the game. He's a fan of the game. And like me, he tends to think like, you know, man, we, we've lived through so many bad Giants seasons. When they do good, we just sit back and enjoy it. And when they do bad, we're just going to heckle it just like skating. I mean, he hates the ghost runner, for example. He thinks it's one of the worst things they've ever come up with. And I totally agree with it. Same. I can agree so, with that 100%. Yeah. I was going to ask what, out of all the new rules, because there's a bunch of new rules and maybe more than they should have all at once, but we'll see. But what's the number one thing that you dislike out of all the new stuff? And you and your dad are probably on the same page as me with the ghost runner. I, I think the ghost runner for me is still the worst thing that's yeah. been implemented in the recent past. I honestly think there's a place for that in the regular season. If a game goes to, let's say the 12th inning, right? right? Because at that point, all the players are gassed, bench players are pitching. There's just things that are not part of the real game. So I could see that, but, but the 10th inning, the 11th inning, I mean, you're, you're tilting the advantage towards the visiting team. And I understand they're trying to end these games. They're probably not selling enough advertising to cover four and a half hours of baseball, uh, it's a business thing, right? But yeah, it just, it, it kind of takes away some of the integrity of the game for me. Yeah. And it also like lessens the importance of a deep bullpen. If you have a deep bullpen, you can get into the 18th inning and still feel okay. But if your last three relievers are really shitty, you're fucked up. If you're in the 15th inning, these guys are giving up gopher balls, you know? That's right. It's funny too, because they implemented the ghost runner at the same time that they implemented the three batter minimum for pitchers. So yeah. the two things are kind of opposing points. If, if you're lengthening pitchers coming in out of the bullpen, they have to face a minimum of three hitters. Theoretically, there's no need for the ghost runner, right? Something's going to happen. You leave a guy out there and he doesn't have it that day. He's going to face three guys and things could go sideways real quick. But at least they're still not going to have it in the playoffs. So, you know, wow. once we get to the postseason, at least we don't have to suffer that indignity. <laughs> Did you hear Dwayne Kuyper's take on it? Which one? I've heard him refer to it a couple of times. He was like, okay, 10th inning, normal, no ghost runner. 11th inning, ghost runner at first. 12th inning, ghost runner at second. 13th inning, ghost runner at third. <laughs> that works. Anyways, when you watched the game yesterday, what did you think? Uh, we had, had a couple of home runs. Okay, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? Like, Casey Schmidt, I'm rooting fucking 150% for this guy. Like, I want to buy the jersey as soon as he's up. He hits a fucking bomb. 
That's hammered left field. Casey Schmidt. It wasn't a cheap one. It, it would have went out in probably any stadium. Like it went way out there. He's got a really good glove. Looks epic at third. But here's the dilemma. Like Villar's got the third base hopefully locked in. I mean, I'm rooting for Villar too. So I'm like, somebody's got to give, but. We'll see what happened. I mean, uh, Sable looked good with the bat, but not he looked pretty shaky behind the plate. So yep. catcher is yep. going to be really interesting to me because I feel like we got six backup catchers and not one starter. But we'll see if Bart can bring it. I, I'm not a huge Bart fan, but I'm I'm rooting for him because I know he has potential. Not the nicest guy on the street, so I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I like his demeanor. I think he's real calm and sort of balanced. So uh, for a catcher, that's that's a good thing. You remember Buster was always really kind of flatline, never mm. got too emotional behind the plate, kept his pitchers in line and, and kept them calm. Mm-hmm. So I think I think he brings that, which I like. I know he's got power. He's got speed for a catcher. Um, it's just whether he can be consistent and uh, not strike out a ton. Yeah. Um, as far as the other guys, we know what wins does. All the pitchers like him. Not much of a hitter. Uh, not much of a threat on base or anything like that. So, yeah, the two wild cards, Perez and Sable, who knows? Who knows what we're going to see on opening day when they you know, when they make all the final cuts? Um, not sure when the first round of cuts is coming, but I imagine by the end of next week, we're going to see it start getting pared down. The other dilemma with third base in particular is that both Schmidt and VR are right-handed, right? So they, they throw right-handed, they bat right-handed. So there's no real splits to go off of there. So it's a real competition for that spot. I know you've been high on Schmidt since he first showed up in the minors, and I didn't know a lot about him. But after seeing him yesterday, made that one great play at third where he went the other direction and managed to nail the guy by a hair. Greg Nettles. That, that was pretty. And uh, yeah, that home run, that was a no-doubter. For me... Wade taking him deep right away, you know, right out of the gate was fantastic. He's one of my favorite dudes, and I really want to see him excel this year. That's so, my neighbor. Uh, that was really exciting. <laughs> Dude, Lamont should not be leading off. Tyro Estrada is our leadoff guy right now. It's He's fast. He gets on base. He's going to have a big year. The dude gets hit more times than anybody I've ever seen, though. I, yeah. He got hit yesterday. I'm like, why is this guy getting hit all the time? Yeah, he doesn't crowd the plate that much. It's very odd. No. I don't I don't know if it's just he's just a ball magnet. It's like the photographers in skateboarding that are skateboard magnets. It's like the one guy that always gets beaned when somebody throws a board, right? Yeah. Um, that's life. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I definitely think that he should be leading off. He's fast, good, good stolen base percentage. Um, he's good on base percentage. And like you said, he's going to get beat. He's going to draw walks, too. He's got a good eye. So I, th- I think they should flip-flop that a little bit. I'd, I'd almost like to see Wade in, like, the two or maybe the five spot. I'd say two, eight, or nine. I think, like, we need, like, Haniger, Conforto, and uh, what's his name? Jock Peterson. That should be three, four, five right there. Yep. And then yep. uh, I don't know where Crawford's going to fit in. It depends what version we get of Crawford. But, um Yaz is my guy. Like, I think he needs to be six and have a big year. So we're rooting yep. for uh year five, a number five. <laughs> yeah. And uh, don't forget, J.D. Davis is still lurking in the wings and he's a power hitter. So um, they could lean on him for a little bit of production in the middle of the order, I think. Maybe even the cleanup spot on days where, you know, Jock needs to sit or whatever, not be the DH. They could put Davis in there. I have a feeling that the the roster's pretty crowded, and I imagine there's some guys that are going to trade bait and 
That's not good. really sure who that's going to be yet. I think it's going to have a lot to do with how these guys perform in spring. And uh, unfortunately for you and I, probably at least one guy that we really like is going to be gone before the end of the season. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Is it going to be VR or Casey Smith that goes to trade? Because they're almost kind of the same player, I think. So we'll see how that unfolds. But, you know, the thing with the Giants is like uh, Luis Gonzalez is already hurt. Slater's yep. already hurt. So we get injured a lot. So there is going to be some, uh, you know, openings for some of these guys in AAA. That's but- true. That's true. They, it, they are very infield heavy. I think the outfield, the sort of rotating door in the outfield is going to be a constant all year with, with injuries and just with, uh, with the platoon stuff that Kapler likes to do. Casey Schmidt's my dude, but I'm not rooting against VR. I like him a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. I like both guys. And uh, it's just, I think it's just going to be a longer look for Schmidt and see what we get out of him. So, you know, what, yesterday was obviously they started out with a bunch of the new rules and the, and the pitch clock and all of that. So, what was your take on it watching him? I, listening to it, I have sort of my own perceptions of it, but I, I'm curious dude. what it looked like. So, I was fretting the whole time. I was like, this is going to suck. And I'm like, I saw like a um because there was a game the day before our game. And so I got to see a little bit of it. And I was like, dude, the clock is like an NBA clock. It's huge and it's behind home plate and it's so distracting. Today I read that's not going to be the case in the regular games. But anyway, we go into yesterday's game. I I'd say before the first inning was over, I was like, I am a hundred percent in. This is cool. Like it's going to be a little bit of work for the pitcher and the batter, especially at the beginning of each inning or when a new pitcher comes in. He only has two and a half minutes to run in from the outfield, get there for the pitchers, especially. They're going to need to work out a little extra harder. They're going to be fucking gassed. There might be a lot more exits quicker in the game because of that. The it fatigue. could be. It yeah. could be. I, I I think I tend to agree with you on that. I kind of like the pacing of the game. I think that on radio, I think I think it was a hard the announcers have a little bit of a hard time following when there was a violation of the clock or or who w- made the violation, and they were relying strictly on looking at the pitch count on the scoreboard. I think that's all going to get ironed out. Um, the pacing seems good. Uh, it's it's one of those things though where yesterday's game. I mean, obviously you had one really long half inning, but the the game time was still three hours and six minutes. So that didn't really shorten the game all that much when you think about it. I mean, we think a typical game is somewhere anywhere from like two hours, 45 minutes to three and a half hours um, for for nine innings with a relatively, you know, moderately high scoring game. I think it is going to trim the game time down a little bit. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Pressure is definitely on the pitchers, I think, more than the batters and and batters who are strong hitters. I mean, they're going to uh, I think John Miller said yesterday that Manny Machado is going to be going to be taking a lot of strike ones, just getting it together to get in the box, right? But it's Manny Machado. So 11 years, 350 million. It just came in. Where did all the money from San Diego come from? Wow. He re-signed with the Padres and I got the fucking text message already from Lee DuPont, a.k.a. Freckleface, that said, now it's not if we win, but how many we will win in a row. (laughs) <laughs> the facts, bro. It's going to be a cold, cold decade for the giant bangers. Oh, he's 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 hanging his hat on one dude. That's kind of <laughs> gnarly. San Diego's pitching is still very suspect. So, good luck, Frex. <laughs> and Darvish is KO'd here in the second. 
What do you think about, I've, I've been reading a lot about they're going to go after the pitchers a little harder and check for substance again. And that made me remember that when they first started checking the pitchers, one of the funniest moments for me was forever giant Sergio Romo dropping his pants. And you take a look here with Sergio Romo, a, a little bit heated there after the performances. He's immediately thrown off the belt, the glove, the hat, everything. Pitchers don't like it. No. But apparently what I'm hearing, they're going to have a fucking spin rate gun. So mm -hmm. if you have an average of 122 spin rate and then all of a sudden it's like 180, there's a red flag. You've probably been using some something. You're out of here. Technically, a guy could change his grip and up his spin rate, but it's not going to double. You know, right. so if it doubles or it goes up significantly, then they figure like, oh, he's he's using something. And we saw last year in the playoffs with Musgrove, you know, the guy was bright red on the mound. It looked, looked like he rubbed Ben Gay on his face. Who knows what was going on? They came out. They fully checked him out and said, oh, we didn't find anything. But it, it, they said his spin rate had gone way up in that game versus the game that he pitched before. And we both know Musgrove's an ace, man. He's a badass. So it, how much of an advantage was he getting if he was using something? Who knows? But it's going to be interesting. I mean, that thing with Dan Bellino and Bumgarner last year, and now they're going to be more, they're going to be checking more. Uh, it could create some animosity between the umpires and the pitchers real fast. It's going to be crazy for the pitchers this year. I think it's going to be a. There's going to be some, dude. Imagine bases loaded and you take too much time, and then that's a balk in the the winning run. Like, there's going to be some crazy new shit that's never been seen before. Yep. I want to have a first and last t conversation because we didn't get into it last episode, but we have to talk about arson and the Korea that got away <laughs> um, first and last time here on the pod. We don't, I I'm kind of sick of hearing about it, but I do want to talk about it. Um, just you and I arson judge Heyman says this tweet, like arson judge is on the giants and he has to take it back, like whatever, two, three minutes later. Yep. But like, I was analyzing this because I was pissed about it. I'm like, fuck, man, we would have loved to have fucking judge. But it's interesting, Heyman, right? Like these guys to me are kind of like, if you relate them to skateboarders, like how everybody, like let's say Navarrete, for example, he posts a photo on his Instagram and the photographers get so upset that they don't get photo credit like these guys and these firsts and all that emphasis that none of it matters. It's all about like buffering up your ego. Like, why does Heyman need to be the first guy to report this? Like, is he getting like a, a bonus for that kind of stuff? And then how much pain goes into blowing it like he did. I mean, he's going to be forever the guy on the Oscars that announced the wrong winner. You know? there's, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. Dude, what the fuck? And then you spell his name arson? It couldn't have been like more storybook for all the wrong reasons. Totally. It's probably an ego issue. I think it's the scoop journalism. I think these guys are highly competitive when it comes to reporting on stuff. Pissed me off, you know, because I was the guy that thought Judge was never coming. And when he dropped that tweet, it was like, wow, he's coming. And um, then he wasn't. 
Um, yeah, I, I think he's probably still licking his wounds from that one a little bit. And that's a tough one to swallow. He might be gun shy on the tweets. He might be. Well, then um, our segment that I want to get going throughout the year, uh, you've gone too far, Han. Yeah, I, I think you, you turned the page because it's a new season. When Farhan Zaidi sets up a press conference for newly acquired player that has not past a physical yet um you know uh, uh why right? did they have him at the hotel waiting for a press conference when they hadn't got the results back yet what was the rush there that was a real big blunder and that looked really bad for us for quite some time until the mets kind of like healed the wound a little bit by doing a similar thing right right yeah the the korea fiasco was uh pretty insane i mean i I think we were excited that we were going to get him not excited about the length of the deal or the money because he would have been 41 years old and still pulling an enormous amount of money um and been well past his prime but yeah it it, to make the announcement to set up the press conference to to bring the guy to san francisco he's house shopping in lafayette right yeah yeah, it just was a bad look. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, it's a bad look for the whole organization. And of course, the pursuit of free agents over the past couple of years, we missed out on a lot of the big names, a lot of the players that would have really made an impact and been marquee players in San Francisco that the Giants didn't get. You know, Gabe Kapler is, uh, you know, going to have one less uh, tool in the tool bag. We're going to go through it again next year with Shohei. Yeah, well, we could get him. Forever a Giant! Uh, the Padres you know, are probably out on it now because the you know they signed Manny. Although God, they're spending knows? a lot of money. Yeah, I mean they they might not be done, but they've spent a lot. And right. I think that at some point, either the luxury tax is going to be a backbreaker, or they're just going to have some more sensible baseball business people say, "Listen, you're overstretched." I, I would love that if he came to SF. You know, they, basically they're saying it's it's that's, that's Seattle, one. yeah, Seattle, LA, or the Giants. He and doesn't want to go. Never to the, leave. You can never leave the Mets out. Yeah, but he but he doesn't want to play on the East Coast, according to some of the stuff I've been reading. Now that that could all be John Heyman type rumors, but uh, he doesn't want to play on the East Coast until there's an extra zero at the end of the salary. You know, it's like people, possibly people can get paid to to play wherever I just, I saw what the Mets did with their goddamn pocketbook. And it made me think of the early Steinbrenner days where it was like, mm-hmm. they got whoever they wanted, but I don't want anyone more than Shohei. Otani crushes it to deep right field. Goodbye. Shohei. Yeah. And the free agent class next year is not stacked. That's I mean, what scares me. That's there's him scares. and then everybody else is on a lower tier. So right. uh, whatever the Giants decide to do, they've still got money to spend. And I think I think it's about time to have another one of those Barry Bonds type signings in San Francisco. You know, I'm I really all do. for it. I'm all really for it. Do. Well, each episode, we're going to try to bring uh, a showcase, a different uh, giant. And this week, we're going to start with the longest tenure on the team, the pride of Pleasanton, California. This is last year of his contract. So there's a lot of unknown um, with the 36-year-old Brandon Crawford. I I think Brandon's our number one guy um, right now as far as like, I haven't seen Comforto or Hanniger 
But when I went to FanFest, Crawford was the guy that everybody wanted his autograph. I think he's him and Webb will have the two best worn jerseys in the crowd. I love Brandon Crawford. He, he's the white man's Ozzy Smith. That's what I, I, he's just a fucking Houdini out there defensively. He's just made so many amazing plays. Yeah. DJ BC raw or B craw. I'm not sure which it actually is. The, the guy's incredible. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they always refer to him as the human highlight reel and his defense is something that you just don't see that often anywhere. It's been a long time since I've seen somebody consistently make the type of plays that he does at short. Um, and he's not a bad hitter. You know, he's, he's been fairly consistent. His career average is, you know, above 250 a little bit. Um, it's, it's great. You know, his on-base percentage is over 300. Um, and he's had some huge, huge moments. So Definitely. I, I'm, I'm of the mind that he may retire at the end of this season and retire a giant, which is, Absolutely, it's the right thing to happen. If if he happens to go play somewhere else, I think it, we're just going to be sick to our stomachs, right? I mean, he's from 2012 on, he's been the guy. And he's been a perennial fan favorite and a local guy. I mean, it's just like, please retire in San Francisco, whatever it takes. You know, these guys need to give him a one year. He wants to play one more year. Give him the money, you know, just just make sure he retires in that jersey. Right. I mean, here here's the best case scenario, right? Luciano's back isn't an issue and he becomes the next shortstop in line. And then we sign Crawford for a one year deal next year to help transition Luciano into the shortstop role who could hopefully be the future. But that's a lot of hope. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And and when Luciano was basically the talk of the franchise in the farm system for what, four years running now, um, unfortunately, being the talk of the franchise, half of it was what a great player he was. And the other half was how injured he is all the time. Mm. Um, I had sort of thought that they were going to have him come up and Crawford was going to be his mentor at short to get him say, hey, this is this is the quality that we expect in San Francisco at this position. I'm the guy and I'm now handing you the keys, right? And I'm not handing you the keys to a Volkswagen. I'm handing you the keys to a Cadillac. <laughs> so, you you know, you need to step up and do it. Um, and I've, I've seen, you know, footage of that kid playing and, and I think he's a great player. But yeah, his health is is questionable. And at that point, we, we wonder about, you know, uh, Trey Turner is now somewhere else for the rest of his career. Damn it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Dans Dansby was playing yesterday for the Cubs. Looks good. Correa signed with the Twins. Uh, and who was the other guy? There was another this was the year of the shortstops to get a shortstop free agent. It you was can't forget the other part of the shortstop drama, if you want to call it that, is that Tatis is probably going to be a, a left fielder now instead of a shortstop. Uh, and they're true, talking yeah. about move, the Padres are going to move him out to the outfield and they're going to move Soto or, or they're going to, they're going to move him to right field. They're going to move Soto to left. So uh, that should <laughs> be interesting. Gonna be, that's going to not be a good defensive outfield. I don't think so. That's like how the giants tried to do it last year, you know, put in like hitters out there. Like uh, who is that guy? Yermin Mercedes out there. Like, Oh, this guy can hit, but can he run down a ball? Not really. Yeah. You know, yeah, judging guys, fly guys, balls isn't easy if you haven't done it. The Giants have a history of uh, of putting a duffer in left field at times. Travis Ishikawa, when they stuck him out there a little bit, at was the a bat, disaster. Burrell, come on, uh, Burrell, Darren <laughs> Ruff, 
yeah. absurd left field. Jock Peterson, uh, very questionable left field. And Mercedes was kind of the cream on the, the, the icing on the cake, right? I mean, it's just this guy's a linebacker. He can't play left field. It's insane. <laughs> so, well, let's do a little uh, shit on the umpire segment. Your dad wants us to get a little nastier. Who's the worst umps in the biz? Who do you not want to see behind the plate when you're watching a Giants game? Okay, well, it's it's hard to pick one because there are several that are bad. And unfortunately, of the 10 umpires retiring this year, none of them are really on my shit list. <laughs> but Angel Hernandez wins the prize for the absolute worst Major League umpire of all time. Oh, Red Sox are going to challenge Angel Hernandez again. Come on now. Angel Hernandez. Now, there's no reason for that at all. Angel Hernandez is in midseason form. I don't think Angel Hernandez should be umping playoff games. He is just awful. And there was a game in which he was behind the plate and he was so bad. And he was ejecting players for arguing balls and strikes that he was screwing up. The guy has sued the league because he thinks they're racist because he never gets promoted to do playoff games. And it's all performance based. I mean, he's really just a mess. So he's my number one. Uh, the other guy is Phil Cuzzy, terrible umpire. Mm-hmm. Guy's behind the plate. He's awful. Um, Alfonso Marquez once called a guy out at third base for avoiding a tag by six feet. That guy is no good. And, of course, we have to give the honorable mention to Gabe Morales, famous Gabe Morales, who yes. uh, rang up Wilmer Flores and sent the Giants home. Gabe Morales rings him up. The game is over. I didn't think he went on the slider from Max. Gabe Morales thought he did. Yeah. You suck, Gabe. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was absurd. I mean, even the national TV announcers were were saying it was just rotten, that call. So those are are the ones I just can't stand. Um, and And I wish they weren't in the game because I like a clean game. I like a game that's umpired with a lot of efficiency and accuracy. And when the umpires aren't affecting the outcome of the game, I mean, that's not what should happen. And when it does, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And listen, I'm a fan of human element and umpires and we all make mistakes, but when the same guy makes the same mistakes over and over and over, you're like, wait, what's going on? Like if somebody makes one error once in a while, okay, you live with it, right? Like, oh, that sucked or the instant replay now, whatever. But these guys, your number one is my number one. And he's just notorious for a bad strike zone and missing plays and just everything. It's like, it's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And and unfortunately, the union mostly protects him. Uh, it'd be nice if he just retired and bowed out. Uh, but maybe he, maybe he enjoys going to all these ballparks all across the United States and just getting booed because he's such a bad umpire. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe he likes the attention. Um, but yeah, he is really bad. And, and I think I, I've watched too many games to count where he made calls that actually influenced the outcomes of not only innings, but, but games. And it, that should just not happen. Well, speaking of sucking, we on skates on base Instagram this week did which 
City Connect jersey sucks the most between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. And we got some interesting feedback. I almost <laughs> thought it was a tie by people's responses, but I kind of think the Padres won as the worst. Mm, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're both so bad. Uh, it's it's the pastel taco truck versus the blue yoga pants, right? So like you, a onesie. <laughs> yeah, it's I. I mean, you and I agree. I mean, dark pants and baseball just don't cut it, right? No. It just doesn't work. And uh, I, I think the only the only situation that does work is at the Colorado City Connects. But yeah, there for me, I I I gotta just lean Dodgers. You know, just I just. I just hate them that much more than than San Diego. Well, I put it this way because I agree. I can't ever wear LA or Dodgers on my chest or on my hat or anything like that. What I would say is the Padres top is worse, but the Dodgers bottoms are worse. So it's almost a tie. I wouldn't do either one. Um, But yeah, it's, they're both bad for sure. There's some other bad ones out there too. The the city connects most are kind of bad. Yeah. 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 And and I think it's a good idea executed poorly for the most part and um, has like an opportunity to like bring something fresh, uh, bring a fresh uniform to a team and and have it be cool. I think you remember for years, the diamondbacks were constantly wearing different uniforms kind of like uh, the Seattle Seahawks in football, right? Like yeah. they, they show up every week. It's like some different different uniform. And I actually think the D-backs had some decent uniforms in those years. But um, now it's, it's kind of like we're looking at modern, weird versus traditional with the City Connects. And I tend to lean towards the traditional. I know you like the pinstripes and everything that some of the teams have. So, yeah, I like that. I, I, I think the best one so far are the Angels. I think the Angels City Connects are actually classy and fun and uh, they just they just have a real sort of like retro look, but they're also kind of modern looking and they're clean, right? And they don't have dark pants. <laughs> well, I got to I got to go with the gangsters up in Chicago on the other side, the White Sox. They look like Capone's boys, man. I love those. They it's look true. Th- thug life. That's if if Baca's wearing a uniform, that's the one he's wearing. This fucking what, what is it? South side. They got South it. Side, yeah. South side, and it's all done in the in the in the it's black like letter the script. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah, the the city connects. I mean, I I don't know how many are coming out this year. What's going to be when the whole league is going to be complete? But um, hopefully, they get a little better. You know, they're not all ugly. Uh, the is it the is it St. Louis that has a yellow jersey? Is that the Maybe. one? Well, the Brewers. Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Boston. The Red Sox yeah, have no, a the yellow. The Red Sox is way up there for the worst. Yeah. And I. Like, I, why is it yellow? What the hell? I haven't gone to read the. Uh, they all have a story behind them, right? You know, it's like they have to they have to sell it to the fans. Like, oh, you know, like the San Francisco City Connects are all about the fog and the Golden Gate Bridge being obscured by the fog and this, that, and the other thing. But there's is like that popsicle, the orange with the white. Creamsicle can't get away from it. And and you know what? If that uniform didn't have an orange batting helmet, it would be all right. The orange batting helmet is absolutely the worst part of that, of that kit. It's so Yeah. I really want to hear your perspective of being a pretty much lifelong Giants fan, but living in Los Angeles. Like what 
type of shit do you have to deal with? Like, how do you, how do you roll? I think that would be tough for me. Um, how I roll is I don't go to Dodger stadium. I haven't gone since, uh, it's been many, many years since I went to a giants Dodgers game at Dodger stadium. Um, just, I, I don't like that kind of conflict with people and I don't like it escalating into physical stuff, which it got very close to on a few occasions. And I actually, enjoy running around town and seeing all these clowns with Dodger hats on and thinking like 88, 88, because that last world series you won wasn't legit. Right. So there's the humor. And other than that, I I like to go down to Petco and see Padres giants games down there that the atmosphere is, is more fun, uh, less friction. Uh, The banter amongst the fans and the crowd is, is much better. People have a sense of humor uh, nobody's getting super hostile. It, it's just, it's just a better scene. So yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of behind the wall in the enemy camp and I don't give them any money. How's that? Fuck the Dodgers. <laughs> I like it. I think we can announce that episode three next is going to be an interview with Chris Stropel, right? Yep. We're going to get Stropel on and he's going to talk, uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever they happen Woo! to be called now. So you better not bring a rally monkey to the podcast. Come on. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> he, he, the last he said is I'm ready for you guys. So like we'll see this. how, we'll see like how ready this. he is. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to salt him and, and let him know that we're getting Otani next year. Yeah. This week we did have a big headline in the news from Larry bear. 14 ounce beers, $9. They dropped the price of the domestic beer. Right? <laughs> I just don't think that that's how we're viewing it. So laughing. They're like, we didn't get Correa or, or judge or anybody, but we dropped the beer prices. So yeah. Single, single digit domestic beer at the yeah. yard. You can go uh, buy two beers and get uh $2 back from a 20. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm always for cheaper beer at the ballpark, uh, but I'm not sure that that's going to bring that many fans back. I think the only thing that's going to bring the fans back is a good team playing quality baseball and winning. Winning is what we want, right? Absolutely. And and Larry Bear, you know, if they win a World Series, maybe he can take the price back up to $14 and nobody will notice. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great magnet for people at this moment in time. I think the, the proof is in the pudding. Like, how are they going to be this year? But yeah, I've, I've had more expensive beers and I've had cheaper beers. I prefer the cheaper ones. Definitely, because the cheaper they are, the more you can get. And so... Of them were dull and out cold, frothies, lifting pines with the fans, even though you're sloppy. I've never been a guy, I don't drink, I've been drinking seven years, but when I did drink, I wasn't a guy that wanted one. That's yeah. for sure. And if yeah. I only have $20 and I can only get one beer, I might not drink a beer. But if I have $20, I can get three beers. I'm in. There you go. What win total are you going with for the Giants? For the Giants? I want to say they break 90. Wow. I want to say they break 90. You you think there. they are or you hope yeah. they do? Yeah. I, I, well, I hope, but I, I think they have a good shot at it. I oh, think, okay. I think you're a lot more optimistic than I thought well, you were. I thought I you think, were like 82. <laughs> I just think because I, I think they're better this year. I think they're going to be better. The pitching depth is definitely a plus so anybody goes down like last year how many pitching injuries did they have right every single one of the starters went on the dl at one point or another and so they they have that depth now i think that helps 
bullpen is still a total question mark until you get to, you know, the Rogers brothers and Doe Wall. I like I the know. bullpen on paper. I think we're, especially after Luke Jackson, if he's healthy, comes in like in May or June. Yeah. When he, gets, like when he finally it, gets dude. here. I think Brebbia is going to be less impact. He He's going to be in the right role. Rogers, Duvall, and fucking uh, Luke Jackson is good. Like if I don't know, I f- I feel good about it. I like I like the the bullpen. I think that yeah. might be one of our strengths. Well, hope and hopefully we're not going to have to suffer through all these stupid bullpen games all year like no. we did last year. You know, like they're actually going to have they're actually going to have like a set rotation, and there's the next guy up if somebody goes down, and we're not. We're not starting games with guy like openers and all this shit. I fucking hate that. We'll see, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they might break ninety. Well, so what's your number? Ninety one. Let's say ninety one. That's okay. safe. I'm gonna what say ninety. I'm you gonna got? say ninety two then. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. Right yeah, if we break ninety. I'm hyped. That'd be yeah. great. That'll be good. No, I, I we're think in the, the playoffs if we if we break ninety. Absolutely. Calling out all contributors, record yourself and send us comments, questions, complaints, team pride, anything you want. Email us, DM us, whatever. We do want contributions from the listeners. Uh, We're probably going to be on the iTunes page next episode. I believe you need to have three technical jargon that we're just still learning here, but um, might be hiring an editor. Um, to help us out. If anyone's interested, send a DM. Um, and advertisers are welcome. Like I, I liked your uh, idea about reaching out to Hunter Pence and his wife and getting us a coffee advertisement. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're both full on coffee freaks and, uh, they're, they're doing their coffee brand, which is actually more of a sort of a socially conscious brand. And they, they contribute a lot of money to, to good programs and things. And so it would, uh, It'd be great to uh, have a conversation with Hunter and Lexi and, and maybe uh, we can do a little, little trade and uh, promotion that way. So yeah, any, anybody's, you know, anybody out there is listening to this and, and you want to get involved in whatever way, just let us know. We're always open to it and definitely uh, stay tuned to the Instagram because it's going to get spicy from here on out. We're going to have some interesting things. We'll be putting up our uh, dispatch newspapers and just uh, a lot of posts about all things giants and a little bit beyond. Yeah, the Instagram's been fun. It looks really cool, too. You've been doing extra work to make it look really nice and uniformed with all the different things. I'm, I like looking at just that index page and seeing it all like, chung, chung, chung. it's just yeah. like growing and the, you know, we're slowly growing, too. So I, I appreciate everybody that uh, tuned in and spread the word and stuff. Uh, do you want to maybe, I was thinking about this. What do you think about doing a little end of the podcast um, as a Kaplerism? Kaplerism. Like, oh, we don't call it the end. We just call it. Uh... It's definitely not the end with, with him. There's no no end in sight. It is going to be impossible for me to fill Bruce Bochy's shoes. The process. His famous line about pinch hitting just just led me to think about all the craziness that, that might come out of him. Uh, as long as his tenure lasts in San Francisco. Gabe got into it, and he gets tossed. I'll just throw this one out there. To quote Gabe Kapler, we don't like to use the term error. We like to use the term creative effort. I have less of like a, a surefire plan in my brain. All right, there you have it, kids. Um, thanks for tuning in. Remember, 
Unless they got a rally monkey on their back, angels fly because they take themselves lightly. And Dwayne Kuyper said it best when he said, We, we are, are out of here! here. <laughs> and that's it!